Des Moines guest list shapes up like this. Uh, Nate Bolton is going to join us. He's an attorney. He's an employment attorney, but he's way smarter than Trent and I uh, by by a long shot. Yes. Uh, and when the Friday uh, was it Friday or Thursday when the the Tennessee uh, injunction was granted by a federal judge. I thought, well, this is way over the tips of Condon's and my skis, mm-hmm. so we'll get Nate Bolton in here. What does this mean? Where is NIL going? Uh, what uh, can be done to put the toothpaste back in the tube? The answer is zero, I think. Um, but uh, how can they rein it in, they being the schools or the NCAA? Is there a possibility of that happening? I mean, we're seeing a lot of college coaches just say enough is enough, right, and are leaving for the NFL. Um, when you simply have to re-recruit your entire class year after year after year, um, you know, it used to be one thing, you'd get them and you'd know you'd have them for four years, five years, but now you have to, with, with some of the, the better players on your roster, have to re-recruit them and have to re-up the NIL deal. And anyways, Nate Bolton is going to join us. What did that, uh, that court ruling do uh, pursuant to NIL? He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. Then Shelby Mast will be here. We'll take a look at the bracket. Bracketwag.com for Shelby. Bracketwag.com for Shelby. Uh, of note, locally. Uh, Iowa State remains on the three line. Iowa is the fifth team out, and Drake is listed as uh, other teams in consideration for an uh, an at large bid. Well, we'll see. Um, it's probably not going to happen. I was uh, playing around a little bit last night with Bart Torvik and that tourney cast that he has up on his website. And Bart Torvik, if you're interested. That's a free site. You know, Ken Palm is a subscription site. It's twenty mm-hmm. bucks for the year. Definitely worth it. That's what it's all cost. Yeah, oh, I didn't definitely worth it for what uh, yeah. we do. But Torvik's free, and it's I mean basically yeah. the same kind of thing. It's an analytical website. He's got some more fun tools though on there, including the tourney cast. And you plug in if this team beats this team, does this in the conference tournament. Uh, even if you project Drake to win out the regular season, yep. win the first two games, losing the title game to Indiana State. Mm-hmm. He gives him a point four chance of making yeah. the tournament, even within that scenario. I'm guessing the same for Indiana State. right? Yeah, it's it's a tick higher. I think it was like two percent, something yeah, like that. But still, yeah, you were, it's not happening. No, nope. let's just simplify it as much as possible. It's a one bid league, Trent. Unfortunately, uh, because it, this was a year. Yes, the opportunity was there. Mm-hmm. Both Drake and Indiana State can certainly look back at a number of games and play the what-if game, mm-hmm. but it comes down to St. Louis, which certainly will add intrigue to oh, whoever my. gets there. No no doubt about it. I mean, the stakes are always big there, but uh, this year knowing that there's no safety net mm-hmm. has been the case the last few years. So we'll uh, root like hell for those Bulldogs to uh, go a long way in St. Louis. Uh, see that is cut down the nets at about, what, 3 o'clock or 2.30 on Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so that's our number one. Then in our number two, we'll head to St. Louis, catch up with our friend Scott Dockerman, who's uh, covering the Combine for the Athletic. We'll get a uh, we'll pick Doc's brain on uh, on the locals, the Iowa and Iowa State uh, kids that uh, are uh, in Indianapolis this week. If you've seen any of them, but you know, just pick his brain uh, NFL draft wise coming up with Doc. Can do that coming up here uh, to kick off our number two. Trent has some plays of the day. Uh, I know you had K State yesterday as one of your plays of the day, laying nine and a half. First half, I felt like I was over free. Trent, you're up twenty something. I mean, they, what did it get to? Twenty five? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was terrible. I stuck with the game. Now I didn't like What's it. What's wrong with you? I know, right? There was no hockey game that moved my uh, needle. That's what it was. That's, okay. Yeah, there's no hockey game that moved uh, moved my needle yet. Uh, but there was later on. That's why I didn't watch Baylor and TC, which wasn't much of a game. But um, yeah, that, that early game, Mike. And then flipping back to North Carolina a little bit uh-huh. and. Uh, 
Um, Miami made a run themselves. They did. Yeah. You know, it's a good thing Davis showed up for, for UNC. He was unbelievable. Had over 40 points in the basketball game. A Dean Dome record. Is that what it was? Yeah, well, I didn't know 42. that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and I found myself... A Dean Dome record. Yeah, isn't 40? that crazy? That is, when you consider the... Wow, the guys that have played there. I would have thought it would have been higher than that. So I, I mean, I'm not minimizing 42, right. but... Like you, the second Big 12 game, it just Baylor took TCU completely out of did. it. You know, TCU is a team that seems like they're kind of, at least lately, been shooting out of what they should be. They're nearly 40% from behind the arc. Oh. They're not that good of a three-point shooting no. team in conference play. No. So what did I flip over to? Well, hockey doesn't do it for me. Right. The NBA, there was nothing there. Uh-huh. I found myself over on 221, CBS Sports Network. And what was there? The Colonial. UNC Wilmington Campbell. The Campbell Camels play in the smallest gym in D1. And that's where the game was played? It was. Well, that's kind of cool. How many people were there, you think? I think the arena seats maybe like 2,000. And in fact, I shouldn't say smallest because it might not be anymore with all the new D1 teams. Yeah. For years, though, okay, they were the smallest gym. Yeah. yeah, And pretty fun environment. It wasn't packed by any means. But student section was into it. UNC Wilmington's really good in the Colonial. They were second in the league. But it went to, what was it, double overtime. Campbell won. And then right afterwards, in North Carolina, after all the pomp and circumstance about storming floors, yeah. it happened to Wake Forest. What do about 50 kids do? Yeah. They storm the floor. Very much congested in the middle of the floor. Sure. They, not, nobody got close to the players for UNC Wilmington. Oh, there were some awful calls Chad, in that game. I, I'm glad. And I didn't have a bet on it. You did it. I you did still not. watched it. I just watched it because UNC Wilmington's a team you very uh-huh. well could see win the Colonial. Yep. Wanted to get at least a little look, so mm-hmm. it was tight down the stretch. And because Baylor TC was kind of, it was just, not only was it not a great game because Baylor just kept him at arm's reach. It, it wasn't, it wasn't it was a good game. It yeah. was a boring game. I agree with you. Uh, the first game wasn't the case with with the comeback in in the basketball. Campbell game. UNC Wilmington. Yeah, what time like, did that end? Uh, Ten thirty-five, oh, something like that. Yeah, but it was what eight o'clock tip for us, so nine o'clock tip out there. Uh, yeah, those students were having a good time. Good for them. Good for them, and uh, they they experienced everything, right, with uh, rushing on to the floor. We'll see where this goes. By the way, Jamie Pollard's going to join Murph and Andy at 2 o'clock. Apparently that's going to be the one of the topics that comes up, according to Pollard in the uh, his tweet, um, letting the folks know that he will be in studio here at KXNO today at 2 o'clock with Murph and Andy, which uh, look forward to that. Uh, looking forward to Penn State and Iowa tonight. Mm-hmm. It's an 8 o'clock tip. There'll be no court storm there, regardless of the <laughs> Regardless, I of would the hope outcome, not. Right? Yes. Uh, obviously, it's um, so back to Bart Torvik when it comes to Iowa. What was that path? Uh, did you did you go forward with that part, portion of the exercise? Well, I did see one thing. Were Torvik going into the Illinois game? If Iowa would have won that game, their tourney chances would have increased to something like sixty four percent. That high? Yeah. With a loss. How bad? Back to 8%. So that's oh about what it is right now. Yeah, I can bring up the team cast right now. And we can play around with this a little bit because the conference tournament has to be a part of it. Even if Iowa wins the last three before the conference tournament. And we see. both feel that Northwestern is the uh, is the trickiest of the three, right? Yeah. Penn State tonight at home, Illinois at home to bring down the curtain on the regular season. By the way, bringing down the curtain on the regular season for the Iowa women, if you'd like to see the Ohio State game coming up this weekend. Uh, this is not general admission, but this is um, non-GA. $491 gets you in the door. $491 bucks as of today. Whether that goes up or down, obviously it will. We're not sure what direction. That is crazy. It's nuts. Uh, before the conference tournaments, if Iowa does this and pulls this off, wins the final three, mm-hmm. 
Not they're, only, they're at what percentage now? Uh, so they uh, were at 64. They fell to what? 18 or 8? Well, and that would have been with a win against Illinois. It would have went up that high. Right. And with the, and losing the... Down to single digits. Down to, so 8. I think yes. you said 8. So they're at 8 to begin this exercise. In this scenario, yeah. they not only are in the NCAA tournament... If they win the next three? They're not going to Dayton. Now, I kind of hope they do. <laughs> they're not going to Dayton. So... What, you want Dockerman to have to follow him and ask a question again about being in a play and to get yelled at by oh, Fran? That was funny. Not for us. Um, yeah, so they're the first team that has a, or the Is last team in before right? the buys, if you will. Just and regardless of what happens in the Big, 12, in Big Ten tournament. No, no, that, that's then you'd have to plug it in differently gotcha. in order for that to happen. But So they're very much alive. Well, and it's crazy because we went into this final stretch knowing that they were pretty far out. Yeah, I thought. And last week, all right, beat Michigan State, and they're starting to show up a little bit, but they're like the eighth team out. Well, the quad one wins are starting to pile up. Right. right? And, and how much that has helped their resume. And now you look at bracketologists, and they're listed a lot. You know, one of the first teams out of the bracket, which... Mm-hmm. Ah, Shelby's got them the fifth team out. When you look at it in a vacuum, we've watched this team all year long. Yeah. They're not very good. No. Well, they're fine. They got, you know, yeah, yeah, right. They're okay. They're okay. But... And then you kind of look at their resume in comparison to other bubble teams. Mm-hmm. And you say, you know what? <laughs> Maybe you can actually see this. What would it take, though? Say they lose to Northwestern, but they win both home games. You would likely be either the seven seed, playing the 10, got to win that game. Yeah, or the 8-9. Or the 8-9. Mm-hmm. You'd have to beat Purdue, I think. Yeah, probably would. Or have to beat Illinois again. Probably have to beat Purdue. If Illinois is the number two seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's a scenario out there where Iowa plays in the 7-10 game and the two seeds Nebraska. Well, that's not going to be enough to help your resume. I don't think push it over the edge unless you're 3-0 and in these last three. Uh-huh. But if they're 2-1 and in these last three Nebraska's games. Nebraska's actually, there's a path for them to is. be the two seed. Yeah, They're playing good ball. They're At playing home. good ball. Yeah. At home. But um, the, there was, I, I clicked on a Torvig Hottest teams in the last four weeks. Oh, okay, yeah, that's one where you can you can go through and take a look at teams. Yeah, Nebraska's and, on that top ten list. Oh, I can imagine, absolutely. Yeah, let's. Uh, what's today? The twenty seventh. So let's take it back to the twenty second of January, and you can filter teams and, and how it all lays out uh, during that stretch. The fourth team in the country, the Iowa State Cyclones, UConn number one, Houston mm-hmm. two, Kansas at number three, Purdue at number. Uh, five with that, yeah. Northwestern's but Iowa State is four. Wow, yeah, fourth best team in the country. Huh. Nebraska is at number twenty, going back that far. Again, going back to January twenty second, Iowa same range fifty four. Mm-hmm. When you go back uh, that far, they're five and five during that stretch. I don't see it. Northwestern is just such a different animal on the road, but and this is this uh, this is probably the well will be uh, boo booey curtain call right with senior night for the North for the Wildcats. Is it? Right? I th- it has to be. Wouldn't they finish on the road if they're at home the weekend before? Let's see. Oh, maybe they got an extra game because I always got the week off. I will play they Northwestern do. on Saturday, and then they're off. Yeah, they're they uh, play on the last Saturday of the regular season. Northwestern does. Yeah, at home. Yes. Okay, so it's not going to be the pomp and circumstance around yeah. saying goodbye to uh, one of the greats. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't. He's been a great at Northwestern. That's pretty good, right? You get a schedule where uh-huh. you don't have to play in somebody's senior night. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And how did I mean it works out really well? Um, not for us because we're going to miss them next week. <laughs> but uh, just uh, having the week off uh-huh. and knowing that uh, what lies ahead and being able to rest up and 
Uh, we shall see. Well, good stuff out of that one. Iowa State, the fourth highest ranked team in the last month plus. Month plus. Yeah. Five weeks, basically, going back mm. to the first Monday of the 22nd mm. of January. I can see it. Yeah. What did K-State show you last night when it comes to Iowa State looking ahead? Uh, they're very beatable. They are. They're just This is not a good Tang team. No. It's just not. No. I'm. They can score, but they're not great on no. the defensive end. No, they got one guy, Perry. Perry, yeah. And he was the one again uh-huh. last night, 29-4-6 in the game for them. Trent, the game shouldn't have got to overtime. That stiff Edwards couldn't make a shot to save his life. <laughs> oh, poor kid. I mean, he just can't make it. He was 3-for-9 from the free throw line. I think he's 50% on the year. Uh, King McClure, why does he get beat up the way he does on King Twitter? McClure? Yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's fine. He's fine, right? Yeah. I don't get the criticism. I mean, look at uh, we don't get to do anoint good and bad, but right. for, for my money, I, I don't understand the criticism that comes his way. I think he's fine. Not only was Edwards 3-9 and nine from the free throw line, you know what he was from the field? What was he? 1-9. of nine. Well, I know he can't shoot. 1-9 of nine from the floor. And, and a couple of those were standing right underneath the basket. Ooh, woof. That is, that is a stat line when you lose in overtime. You're yes. saying, you know what? Maybe he shouldn't be out there because he's got to be seven feet. He certainly looks like it. Yeah, he's six, he's listed at six eleven. Six eleven. He's yeah. a big dude, but can't shoot to save his life. That was a remarkable comeback. It was a fun game. I was pulling for West Virginia. Yeah, hadn't won a game on the road. One of what did what did the graphics say? Like a handful of teams that are still looking for their first first roadie, uh, going and pick off K State and pissed off that fan base even more. I'm in. Couldn't happen. Houston, still a game in front. We mentioned over the weekend that was probably their best opportunity to drop a game, right? Mm-hmm. Was that game against mm-hmm. Baylor. This is what they have remaining. Starting tonight, they're home for Cincinnati. That's a, that's a win. Yeah, they're they're going to be a, a huge favorite, yeah. They go to Oklahoma. The Sooners are just playing so bad. Okay, but... Um... Okay. Yeah. I mean, that... it's 60-40. I mean, Houston will be favored. 70-30. Okay. I mean, Oklahoma needed a buzzer beater no, to beat I know. Oklahoma State. I know. I don't know how they beat Iowa State, other than the fact the game was in Norman. They go to UCF. We know UCF's a good team at home. Mm-hmm. Still, the way Houston Houston's defends. the way they, yeah. Uh, and then they wrap up at home travels. against Kansas. Now that's circled. Yes. That's a, is, that, that's, is there a time associated with that game yet? I know that Duke and North Carolina play Saturday night, the final Saturday of the regular season, at night. How about this? Is it 7 o'clock? 3 o'clock in the afternoon, ESPN has that one. And probably into Duke, North Carolina after uh, that? Probably something like that. Let's bring up the ACC part of the schedule as we look at the finale. Yeah, it's 5.30. So it'll be 3 o'clock, Houston, Kansas. Yeah. And then... 5.30, Carolina, Duke. It's pretty good. That's a good way to end things. That really is good. Um, They're just one Big Ten game on that Saturday. And everybody else is playing Sunday. Everybody else plays Sunday. That's that Minnesota-Northwestern game that I mentioned Saturday night at 8 o'clock tip-off for that one on BTN. And then you wrap up Nebraska at Michigan, Wisconsin at Purdue, that's CBS game. Okay. Ohio State at Rutgers, Michigan State goes to Indiana. Maryland, Penn State. Wow. And the regular season comes to a close with the Illini at the Hawkeyes. Maybe the way it always should be. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. It's uh, been it has so been in the past. It's, it is. It's a blast. Connor going nose to nose with that kid. It was great. Yes. It was good. Um, yeah, I, I love the fact. I mean, I'm into Sunday night uh, Big Ten basketball. You know that. I've mm-hmm. been, watching, uh, been uh, harping on it or uh, preaching about it. Anyways, uh, let, let's move on. A couple other topics. Uh, that I wanted to get to. I'll save the football for 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 later on. Um, 
Somebody asked me this yesterday. Are we overlooking the St. Louis Cardinals? Are we overlooking the St. When, Louis when, Cardinals? When we got all hot and bothered because Bellinger's a cub uh-huh. and gave the Central Division, and I've been, you know, poking holes in the Cardinals uh, off season because mm-hmm. they got older. I'm not right. sure they got better. They got older. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, this is the Cardinals after all. I got the same thing from a Cardinal buddy yesterday. Did you? Maybe it's the same guy. <laughs> no, a different one. I, you don't know this guy, <laughs> okay. but yeah. I got the exact same thing. You guys are way too high on the Cubs. So, that's, absolutely. That's kind of how it started. What I like to do is like to go to the projection-based sites. And Pakoda is one of the many ones that are out there. Uh-huh. This is Baseball Prospectus's projection system. Okay. Takes all the players, puts them in there. What they are anticipated to do this season, young guys, old guys, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a minor league or what they yeah. project from their minor league numbers. By the way, the Cardinals got older yesterday. They signed Crawford from the Giants. So. <laughs> Jesus. Um, can, they hide, can they sign anybody in their 20s? No, absolutely not. They refuse. They signed seven guys this year. They're all north of the 30. Cardinals are projected to win the division. Cardinals are projected to win the division 45% of the time. Hmm. You know where the Cardinals finished in the division last year, Trent? Absolutely last. Dead last. The Cubs are projected to finish second, winning the division 23% of the time. So the... Yeah. Really? Now, the gap is not significant, but it is a three-win difference between the two teams. 84.4 wins for the Cardinals, Mm -hmm. just 81.4. Was that pre or post This is post. This is everything's baked in here. This is all as of today. Everything has been updated, projected, all the signings that have happened up to today. This has been updated. The Cubs are only projected to make the playoffs from baseball perspectives 38.7% of the time. That seems low. Mm-hmm. Yes, you look out east, there are at minimum two really good teams. Yeah. Braves and Phillies. Yeah. Two playoff teams. Yep. Dodgers are elite. Yep. Arizona, can they bounce uh, back and do it again now? Played for the World Series last year. But they're also skin of their teeth and needed kind of a. Yeah, they needed, they, they needed the, uh, that's what it was. It was the Cubs meltdown to even get in. Because the Diamondbacks won, what, five of the last six mm-hmm. against them? Against them, yeah. yes. That really was uh-huh. the difference, ultimately. Including sweeping them one. at Wrigley? Didn't they sweep them at Wrigley? Yeah, yeah. There was they one did. they took two out of three, and the other one they swept, yeah. something like that. Maybe, just maybe. I, I don't know. That number seems low, though. Only making the playoffs 38% of the time. They have the Cardinals making the playoffs, including wild card. 59% of the time. So what are we missing here? I with don't this know. Team? I don't understand it. They project Mike List, kind of looking through some of the different numbers, innings per game, da da da. I just not seeing it. Wilson I, Contreras was awful last year. See, Goldschmidt's another year older. They have Contreras projected to catch 65% of the games. Mm-hmm. He's not catching that much, is he? In best case scenario, no. I mean, he went almost two months not catching uh-huh. last year. Uh huh. Goldschmidt, 85% of the games at first base. Uh, Crawford now in there up to 20% at shortstop with win at 65%. We'll see if that happens. I I just, there's something about this team, it doesn't click with me. I don't Well, see everybody it. bought it. I mean, do you remember this time last year, this was a can't-lose division. Mm-hmm. It's the Cardinals, and then it's a huge yes. gap to everybody else. They finished last. I don't know. I don't think we're missing anything. I don't. I'm, I'm I think they're going to be, I mean, then the Cardinals. Most most years they're going to be in the thick of it, mm-hmm. but I don't know. They weren't last year, and they got older. Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn. I like Sonny Gray. I do. What do you think of the Cubs' bullpen? One of my buddies just said that, too, and that's his biggest concern. I, I've heard that a lot. Uh, I loved what they did uh, going out and getting Nearest, mm-hmm. who's a really Stunned. good player. Yes, yes he is. Um 
Quas last year. Remember when he came over from the Royals? Yeah. He was he was really bad, and then he got really good. Uh huh. Um, Alzali proved to me he can close. I think so, too. I mean, it looked to me like he was uh, headed out of the organization. He was here a long, long time before he finally you know, found his footing. I think he's okay. I don't. Uh, here's what I don't know. I don't know anything about the kid at first base, Bush, uh-huh. the, uh, from coming over from the Dodgers. Um, I think their outfield defensively is solid with Hap, Bellinger, and Suzuki. I think all three of those guys are... Um, more than adequate in the batter's box, mm-hmm. up the middle with Horner and with Swanson. They're in great shape. It's the corner infielders. Christopher Murrell can pound the crap out of the ball. Can he field his position? And if Pete Crook Armstrong ultimately is ready... I think he's going to be here. Then you move Bellinger to first base. Which now, should be... That would be great. Is that something in June? Probably. Well, I think it, it all has to do with uh, with PCA being able to hit Major League Pitching. Right. Because if he can, we certainly know he's an above-average defender. Mm-hmm. By long ways, he didn't get a hit last year. He's not wild. <laughs> no, he only he only got fourteen at bats, but, but still, still, yeah, that's kind of wild. But he was a highlight real play in center yes, field. Absolutely, you know? defensive replacement. Oh but my god, can't afford that in today's environment. I like Merriweather out of the pen. Uh-huh. Lighter is okay. Just okay, yeah, he's okay. Better yeah. than adequate, right? Uh, he's yeah. a C plus. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Plencia. Not an heiress. Mm-hmm. No, you will see him a lot. A lot of Azale. Uh-huh. And then the back end of the rotation. You know, Kyle Hendricks, is there a bounce back in him? But he doesn't need to be. He's not going to go up against the ones or the twos. He's now the four. Mm-hmm. They got penciled in at four? four? Yeah. Four, yeah. Yeah, four, right? And Wicks is behind. No, is Wicks ahead of him or behind that, him? That's what the depth chart in ESPN has right now, at least. Okay. Has him in number five. Tying at number three. I mean, you talk about it. An up and down Ooh. season that he had last year. We were at a spot. We had a week where we were talking about cutting him. I mean, he was that bad. <laughs> he was, but then he and, goes up. And as soon as we double were bringing things. strikeouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he came roaring back and, and was really, really they good. They spent some money on Imanaga to, to start mm-hmm. to uh, enhance their rotation. Have you heard much about no, him? No, nothing. It's a good question for Cappy. Yes. i got to remember to, or one of us has to remember mm-hmm. to ask Cappy about that. Uh, just real quick, one more baseball note. Um your twins, what did they do yesterday? Did they get uh, did they get Byron Buxton insurance? That's absolutely what it was. So one thing that they've been looking at this whole offseason was finding a right-handed, basically, platoon guy. Okay. And there was talk of a bunch of those different, you know, very veteran, Tommy Pham types. Mm-hmm. That was one that mm-hmm. I kind of liked the most out of the one that they were talking about. So when they go out and they bring in insurance with Margo, and that's what he is. Now, he's not the defender at... I think he's 29 that he once was. It was kind of a decision. You right. So did he take Kiermaier's spot with because he was a Ray, wasn't he? Yeah, he played not a ton of center field, but a lot of right field. I was going to say if yeah. he's better than if they if no. they kicked uh, Kiermaier off. Uh, when he was younger, he was mm-hmm. definitely a plus defender, and now he is you know league average okay. probably as a center fielder and a plus defender in one of the corner spots, uh-huh. but. Definitely as a center fielder, he is not that. You know, Buxton's on the field as we speak, right? Playing center field. I know. I, you know, I just I had yeah, that yeah, thought last night. You have to hold your breath. <laughs> and what it's got to be like for him? I mean, they they tried to make it work mm-hmm. last year, just making him a DH. He was not physically right. No, and we saw that. He says he's pain free. He is smiling. Uh-huh. He is happy. This was not the Byron Buxton we saw last spring. He was saying all the right things, but you could just tell. He was limited, mm-hmm. and it obviously played out in that fashion. We know when he's right. He's one of the best players in the game. What Not he on the be. team, yes. in the game. As a center fielder, uh-huh. elite.
power, speed. He has got it all. All the elements of a ball player. Uh-huh. It's just the health concern. Right. And I just thought of him going to bed last night knowing I'm going out and playing center field. I mean, but he grew up. Yeah. When he is right, he is one of the best center fielders of the game. And getting that opportunity again after basically two years away mm-hmm. from it, what that had to be like for him. And mm-hmm. you're right. I uh, was reading an article just about him last night and had that thought. How good it is. But yeah, that's what Margo is. By the way, have you listened to, uh, have the Twins been on TV? They might have been. I haven't got that. I yet. haven't either. No. I, I heard the new White Sox announcer. He's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he passed the audition. At least the... the, the, the well, you didn't like Boog Shogby. I didn't. I didn't. But <laughs> no, I, there was any, now I really love that team. Yeah. I, think I think they're terrific. But uh, I, was, I was wondering if you heard... Uh, Bremer's replacement. Yeah, so it's Corey Provis, who's been on radio now for, I don't know, five, six years. Mm-hmm. So I've listened to a ton of him. He'll be really good. Will he? Yeah, I think he's going to be excellent. He's He's got some flair. Now, I'm going to miss Dick Bremer's voice. Just because he's been Twins baseball forever. Yeah, he, my lifetime uh-huh. has been Dick Bremer and hearing him call the and games on they tossed on him to the curb. They did. He was pushed out. He was pushing out. You know, by the way, speaking of announcers that were pushed out, that were, you know, ingrained in fabric... Eli Gold was pushed out by the Crimson Tide of Alabama. And this guy fought. I mean, he was on his deathbed, Mm -hmm. got back to do games. I mean, he is Alabama football. And they just, "Eh, you're too old, get out of here. Well, there was health concerns, too. Is that what it was? But did you see, he didn't want to retire. Now he's doing some freaking arena league stuff. You're Eli Gold for crying out loud. Stay in the game. I guess, but no. Don't want to retire. Keep doing it. But he wasn't Mm. able to travel last year, so they had to play. Another one. Now, it's not like Alabama's struggling for money and if they have a Learfield contract or whatever <laughs> right. it is. But there were other elements to that. But, yeah, you feel terrible yeah. for a guy like that that still wanted to do it, still had the ability to. And we talk and we hear some broadcasters as they get older. You can definitely see that they're showing the sure. signs of age. Absolutely. That was not the case, at least what I heard with Gold. I didn't either. I mean, he's Alabama football, or was, mm-hmm. no longer. Uh, Nate Bolton is going to join us. We're going to talk some NIL, the Tennessee ruling. What does that mean? By the way, did you see the, uh, what's the kid, what's Dart's first name, the old Miss quarterback, Jackson, Jackson. Dart? Um, did you see his NIL deal that he cut today? No. <laughs> this one's great. Uh, and this one, if I'm a college kid, and now, uh, by by staying in Ole Miss and signing an NIL deal, and it leads to me having access to a private jet. Ooh. Yes, please. Wow. He is endorsing a private plane and gets to use it to go train, to go whatever to he wants. <laughs> Speaking of Vegas, just one more thing. We've yeah. got to get to Bolton. We're real late. There's a bunch of NFL coaches not in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. The thought is, is, is it's Indianapolis. If you move the combine... To Las Vegas. Oh, yes. Do you think the NFL coaches are going to have an above? You know what? Maybe we do need to be there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we stayed away from it the last couple of years. We feel it's more productive to go. It's not a bad theory. It's not a bad theory. It's probably spot on. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. As always, when there's a legal issue or something that seems above Trent and I's pay grade when it comes to these type of uh, uh, topics, we get our friend Nate Bolton in here. Yes, he is Senator Nate Bolton. I want to put that out. I, I believe you're still a, uh, an Iowa senator, are you not, Nate? 
I, I am standing off the floor of the Iowa Senate right now there we to go. do this. So I know yeah, you're still an, here. I know you're an employment attorney, and uh, for the purpose of uh, this conversation, that's why I reach out to you. But I wanted the audience to know that, anyways. Yeah. Um, Nate, appreciate you coming on, and uh, I, I guess what the, I don't want to say was a you know Friday evening news dump, but this decision came late last week, and I read it, and I'm not saying I'm more confused after I read it than I was, but. I guess what my question to you is, is it's now in the courts and the courts seemingly are uh, siding, at least at this point, against the NCAA and on the side of student athletes. Uh, I don't know where NIL is going, but I know it seems like the courts are very favorable uh, to the student athletes, at least at this point. Certainly, this was a decision that is favorable to the student athletes on somewhat unrestrained name, image, likeness, right? Um, and the NCAA is just continuing to try to put the, the genie back in the bottle on a, a situation that does not really fit well in our understanding of name, image, likeness rights, employee rights. I mean, they've, they've created a, a heavy money system, but now they're trying to restrain the trade is essentially the, the issue here. And they don't have a collective bargaining agreement like the players union with the NFL. So anything they do does appear to be an unfair restraint on the rights of the college athletes who don't have a, a bargaining right with the league. So it it really is a confusing thing that, that goes all the way back to 1984 mm. to how they handled broadcast rights. Uh, you just put so much money in this system, you eventually create problems. Definitely plenty of problems. Um, with that, I mean, are we entering the era now of – this is just going to be unchecked, that anything goes. I mean, it kind of feels like we were that way anyway to a certain level. But with the cases in Virginia and Tennessee, does this lead to just a free-for-all? And basically in college athletics, people can do whatever they want as it pertains to now paying these athletes. Not a free-for-all, but pretty close to it. It's really hard for the NCAA to step in and regulate these things because now it is a, about money rights of individuals, and they ran into the same problem with assistant coaches trying to regulate how much people could make without the permission of the assistant coaches collectively to do that. You can't tell people what they can and can't charge on an open market. So that is a big problem. And the NCAA keeps saying, well, we need Congress to fix it. And, you know, 1984 was about the right time to start getting Congress involved in NCAA you know, administration problems. Instead, they kept their head in the sand, Mm -hmm. and now we're getting to this point where courts are ruling on individual cases, and it's not going well for the NCAA. Yeah, it's not going well for uh, college football coaches either, seemingly, Nate. And uh, there's a bunch of, I don't want to say old school, but maybe older coaches uh, that are just fed up as to where this is going, that they have to re-recruit their entire roster year after year after year. You've got a kid that you think is going to come and play for you. At the last minute, they get a better offer from somebody else. So I guess where is this going? Ultimately, is it, uh, is it going to be holding on the schools or on the conference, rather, as a, as a collection of their, uh, of their schools to come up with, a, for lack of a better term, a salary cap? Might this be where we're going? So you can't really do that without the permission of the players. And so the conferences or the NCAA overall can't really do that because, again, their, their position is these aren't employees. 
they can't form like a collective union. Okay. So anything they do is an unfair restraint on their individual right to engage in commerce, right? Uh, so selling their name, image, likeness. And in, in doing so, say that this is, you know, something that there's a special exception to uh, in, in the law, and the NCAA has continued to just had, ha- have its hands uh, slapped by the courts mm-hmm. in trying to say, well, we're this special exempt organization from all of your regular world, you know, occupational health and safety or, or uh, contract law or employee-employer relations law. I mean, it just does not work out well because the NCAA essentially has just stood by and said, well, these are amateur athletes and we can regulate them as we see fit. But the system just doesn't, doesn't fit that way anymore. No. And it hasn't for, for a generation or two. The NCAA is a huge organization. We think of it in the simplest terms of well, football, obviously, Iowa and Iowa State and Big Ten, Big 12. But we're talking about D2, D3. We're talking about hundreds of schools that have all kinds of different things. Can the NCAA, when they go to Congress and they say, we need, we need some guardrails here, we need help in order to make this happen, saying we can't have the same rules and make employees for D2 and D3 athletes. We can't make employees from the Sun Belt and the MAC and the Colonial Conference. We can't make them employees because financially it won't work. Is that a good, at least starting point, when they're trying to come up with the new parameters of what the NCAA actually is? Yeah, I think that's a good starting point to say that there are many distinctions between these levels of competition, Division Three, Division Two, uh, and to, to, to show the you know, the, the marketing of these athletes is very different as individuals by the teams and the conferences and the NCAA. The, you know, control of their daily lives is very different between Division Three and Division One. So I think there is a, a good argument to say the, these are much more like organizations on campus and clubs on campus at the Division Three level. At the Division One level, it does not feel anything like the geology club, right? It, it is a very much minor league sports, especially when you talk about, uh, you know, Division One football is, is probably the shining example of this, mm-hmm. this is a big money business that is player development for the NFL. There's just no no way around that's the status of what, what is operating in college athletics. So to say, yeah, you have to pay the student that works in the library for work study, but you can't pay the, the student athlete that is being marketed to millions of people on a Saturday afternoon individually with their name, image, likeness being used. I mean, it just doesn't square with any fundamental fair play or or individual rights sense to do that without that athlete's actual permission. And to say the only way they can play in the, you know, for lack of a better term, the AAA of the NFL Mm -hmm. is to surrender those rights, unfair restraint on trade. Mm. Uh, Nate Bolton is an employment attorney. We should put that out there uh, as well in in his first real job, I guess you would call it that. So, Nate, since right. it is minor leagues, and I'll use your example of AAA, um, why can't we make the players, you know, uh, the student athletes, employees when it comes, uh, maybe just for football? Can you do that with Title Nine? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out a pathway here that would at least preserve preserve it the way it once was 
as close as we can, knowingly. I, mean, I just said this before the break. I mean, Jackson Dart, Ole Miss quarterback, just signed an NIL with a private plane company for crying out loud. Right. I mean, how sweet right. is that, right? I mean, can you right. make can you make if, if the if the student athletes um, agree, or maybe do they have to agree to be made into an employee? So uh, again, it's it, these are all really interesting questions, and you go back. I think about 10 years ago, uh, there were several players at Northwestern that uh, oh. voted in favor of forming a union, um, and the National Labor Relations Board considered that issue and said, didn't say these guys aren't employees. They said these guys are the minority of their essentially business environment where they are a private institution that, that is uh, overwhelmingly a public institution space. You know, all the other universities at Division One college football, very few are private. Most of them are public. And the National Labor Relations Board just doesn't have jurisdiction to regulate public university state labor employment law. So, so basically, the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, with that same question said, we're not going to say they aren't employees. We're saying we just don't have jurisdiction. And to me, that kind of admits that you looked at them as probably employees because mm-hmm. you kick out the case a very different way and, and more permanently by saying these aren't employees. They, we, they can't organize a union because they're not employees. You said we, could, we don't have jurisdiction over this sector mm-hmm. of the market. Very different issue. And, and to me, tends to say all the things that, that we kind of know but we're hoping weren't true about college athletics that it's become so professionalized and, and the demands on the athletes have been so controlled and the free market is telling us there is a lot of value to a student athlete's name, image, likeness to the point that you have college athletes right now getting huge endorsement deals and meaningful ones, right? Uh, it's not like State Farm just decided, hey, we want to give Caitlin Clark some money because we like what she's doing on the court. Right. They think they can sell more insurance because Caitlin Clark is associated yeah. with them. Yep. Right? That's that's a big deal. Nate, one direction with football, and it's been out there for a long time. I've talked about it a bunch, and I'm not alone, <clears throat> is the anticipation that we're going to have two Super Leagues, that the Big Ten and the SEC mm-hmm. will break off, and if it's a structure of 36, 42, 48 teams, whatever it is, Ultimately, that's what it is. How difficult would it be for the top level of college football to leave the NCAA? What does that do for Title IX ramifications? And is that possible? Keeping the basic structure for baseball and softball and wrestling and everything else, but football becomes its own thing. Is that plausible? Plausible? Is that possible with this structure? And, and would it have to be something completely separate from the NCAA to do that? Yeah, and I think the short answer to your question is most likely, yes, it is possible, plausible, and has to be completely separate. It, it, to me, that's going to be the formalization of major Division One college football is going to be an employee-employer regulated space, separate and distinct from the educational missions of these institutions of higher learning. Um, I, I just think that's the only space that you can try to do that um, and and have kind of that kind of structure around the the new world of major college football um, because you've you just there's just so much pressure on that system with these you know new emerging super conferences developing and it, it is not I mean just no one can look at this and say honestly hey this is about making sure that the research being done 
by students and faculty at USC is paired well with Rutgers, right? This is about coast-to-coast, eyes-on-televisions, Saturday afternoons. Yep. And so, so again, it's, it's hard to, with, with a straight face for the NCAA to say these are student-athletes and it's an amateur system and it's education first, athletics second. When you look at this level of football, mm-hmm. it is intensely competition-based and marketing-based and this it is all about that and not that education isn't important as as a component of this but it you can't honestly say it's the primary focus of what these individual students are doing when they're choosing where they're going to go to college it's about competition and it's about exposure and a potential nfl contract for the the people that have these name image likeness rights that we're talking about uh will reggie bush ever get his heisman trophy back <laughs> my crystal ball says no okay but, uh you know well that good point of debate though because yeah. we sat here and we we you know wringed our hands about how awful that was right <laughs> that was a crossing the line yeah. and now here we are you're just talking about you know a college athlete with a private jet company right. uh you know signing on so so it's just you know the the autographs that he signed mm. were, were so bad we got to take away his heisman trophy but now the floodgates have completely opened. And what did the NCAA do to Jeremy? The skier, the kid from oh, Colorado? Yeah, right, yeah. They wouldn't let him play mm-hmm. football because he's going to be an Olympian? I mean, my good right. God, how far, how far have we come? Uh, Nate Bolton, state senator and uh, employment attorney. Uh, Nate Bolton joining us. Nate, thanks for being there for Trent and I. We appreciate it, Nate, and we'll reach out again. Thank you. Have a great day. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Nate Bolton, as we check in on uh, NIL and where it's going, and I, 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 I. <laughs> it's changed. I was all for students getting paid. Yeah, I was all it was for. Here. I had no idea it was going to go to this extreme. It just went from zero to a, a thousand. Well, because the NCAA wouldn't actually do anything, right? They're asking Congress for help. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't actually do things. And, and you know that the, those people in the SEC that you know for, for years will meet you out the back door. Mm-hmm. Now you mean I can come through the front door? We can do this, and it's going to be an arms race, and I I can spend whatever I want to get to build my roster. Oh my God! Uh, we will talk brackets when we come back. Shelby Mass BracketWag.com joins Trent tonight. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, one hundred six. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Let's spend a few minutes on the bracket, shall we? Shall be masked. Bracketwag.com joins us every Tuesday leading up to Selection Sunday. And then the Tuesday immediately following or the Monday, we take a look and we correct Shelby's work. He's usually spot on when it comes to this thing. Shelby, uh, Trent and Ken, thank you uh, again for uh, uh, coming on uh, and joining us and our audience here in Central Iowa. How are you, Shelby Mast? Are you there? I'm here. Good stuff. Good stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, so the, when they, I want to start with the one season. It seems like three of them are locks, right? I'm not sure what Houston, Purdue, and UConn could do down the stretch other than maybe losing out, which isn't going to happen. Um, but if Arizona is the one that trips up, and most have them, and you as, as uh, being one of the bracketologists have them as the last of the one seeds, um, who's more likely to take over? Would it be Tennessee just knowing – how many uh, quad one opportunities lie ahead for them or North Carolina? Who would be uh, who would be poised to take Arizona's one spot, assuming they do fall off the one line? I would lean towards North Carolina because they have a fantastic road record, and that always seems to be big for the committee. Uh, and they've won, I think, 
seven true road games so far, which that ain't chopped liquor. Uh, Tennessee in their quad one, I mean, that's great. We'll see how it, how it plays out, though. But I would pick North Carolina over Tennessee right now. There's always so much conversation about getting the overall number one seed, but the way it's kind of set up this year, we talked about this in the past, UConn going east with Boston, Purdue in the Midwest in Detroit, South Dallas for Houston. Is it as important as it has been in the past? Is there really a compelling case for the number one overall seed outside of being the number one overall seed? Bragging rights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it, huh? <laughs> uh, I can think of because, uh, you know, the, the, the number one overall gets to pick where they go, mm-hmm. and you kind of be dumb to not pick the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, everything else will fall into place. Uh, I don't see anything other than bragging rights. All right, so other than bragging rights, how close is Houston from actually getting those bragging rights? Right now you have them behind both UConn and Purdue. How big is that gap, Shelby? That, that gap is closing fast. You, uh, Houston had a very impressive win at Baylor. It was overtime, but they they were in control of that game for the most part, and Baylor is not an easy place to play. Uh, and uh, Purdue and UConn both took a loss last week. Not bad, right. but they took And so that, you know, Houston's inching up. Shelby, in our last month-plus uh, talking to you on a weekly basis, we haven't had to bring up the Iowa Hawkeyes very often, but there they are, the fifth team out there of your bracket go. right now. Still a lot of work to be done in order to get there, but when you look at their resume, and that was the one thing, I mean, just looking at them in comparison to some other bracket teams, they got a couple of caught one victories. They're going to have a couple more opportunities before the end of the year. They stack up decently than when you kind of watch this team actually play. Maybe it shows you just how bad the bubble is. Yeah, that's true. And they've got that game, uh, Penn State at home. Penn State's a tricky team. They, they are. don't want that. Uh, but they've, they've got that loss in, uh, at home to Michigan, which hurts, yeah. but that's the only really blemish on it on the record. So, uh, yeah, they're they're looking a lot better than they were last week. Time. Certainly are. Uh, I want to ask you about Iowa State because we, uh, we think that down the stretch – They've got a pretty favorable schedule. The, the, the meat of their schedule took place earlier this year. Uh, they'll, they, they'll play a couple of teams that beat them starting tomorrow night. Uh, they'll host Oklahoma. They go to Central Florida. They've got some you know, tougher to play. Central Florida better at home. BYU, they'll host them and try to uh, extract some revenge from that loss. They're bat- Maybe their worst game of the year. And then they go to K-State. So if Iowa State, let's go crazy, Shelby. They win out and... They not they beat Houston in the Big Twelve tournament. Is there any chance that they get into the conversation uh, about maybe taking Arizona's spot, or is the two line their ceiling? I, I think the two line is their ceiling, uh, mainly because of their non-conference strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. It's abysmal. It's they, terrible. They, yeah, a lot of bad games that they won, and they scheduled, and the committee frowns on that. And I honestly believe that at the reveal, that is why they were a three seed and not a two seed. I want to go Interesting. to Kentucky. Um, as impressive a win as anybody's had this year, mm-hmm. what they did against Alabama, you knew it was going to be high-paced and just domination from them. But they're an underdog tonight against Mississippi State. I mean, this team, as confounding as anybody in college basketball, when we officially get the bracket here coming up in a couple of weeks, Shelby, what are you going to do with the Wildcats? I know we're going to see more from them, but the inconsistencies got to drive Cal nuts. 
Yeah, I gotta believe that too. Uh, I, I really believe that when this team is healthy and they got all their guys available yep. to play, there are not too many teams that can beat them. But their problem is that they haven't had that that whole team together, and so they don't they hadn't played as a cohesive unit for that long. So give them a couple of weeks fully healthy, and then watch out. Uh, is Gonzaga going to get in? You have them in the play-in game right now. Do they keep their streak alive? I don't know. It's going to be tough because they only have two regular season games left. And one of them is St. Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a, a loss there. Uh, and then their, their conference tournament, they'd probably have to play St. Mary's again. Mm-hmm. If they beat St. Mary's one of those two games and don't lose anything else, I think we'll see them in. If they go 0-3 versus St. Mary, it's going to be tough. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com for Shelby. Shelby ran out of time. Uh, this time next week, I'm going to ask you about Tom Izzo. We'll see if he's still in or not in those Spartans. But, uh, th- Shelby, as always, thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you in a week's time, Shelby Mass. BracketWag.com. Thanks, Shelby. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Shelby Mast as we wrap up Hour 1. Hour 2 next, Scott Dockerman from the Combine. Miller & Condon, 106.3.